You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are my interviews with the director for Bodies, 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 Helena Rain, and one of the stars from the film, Chase Suey Wonders. Who wants to play Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Guys, I get so stressed out every time we play this. Someone always ends up crying. <laughs> so how do you play? If you draw the piece of paper that has the X on it, you are the murderer. Everyone else has to avoid being killed. What is that? Xanax, you want one? Yeah. Alina, thank you so much for being here today with me. I hope that you're doing well ahead of the official release of Bodies, 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 which got a tremendous reaction out of uh, South by Southwest where it had its world premiere. Can you tell me just a little bit about that and how you felt about the initial reactions to the film? Yeah, I mean, that was such a wonderful experience because I, I loved it so much. I didn't really know a lot about South by Southwest, to be honest, as a European. <laughs> uh, and I come from very, like, hardcore theater worlds with Eva van Hoven doing all the Hedda Kabra and all these tragic roles. And then going to South by Southwest and having my premiere there, there in a huge theater for so many people. And then the reaction was so warm and they just laughed and shouted at the screen and clapped. And I've never, ever you know, being on stage all my life, I, I thought I saw it all, but I apparently I didn't. So I, that was one of the most beautiful moments ever for me. I love that. That's great to hear. What was the moment like when you first got the screenplay and you read it for the first time? First time I read it, I was intrigued by the game because I used to play that. I have a very tight friend group and we used to play that game. Uh, we call it murderer or werewolf or mafia. Sure. And yeah, and we used to play that game endlessly and it would always go wrong. And it was true psychological warfare and everybody would end up fighting. And then next week we played again because it's so seductive and, you know, and you love the sort of taboo of it all. Um, so that's why I was intrigued. But I also thought if I would take on something like that, I do want to do it in my own way and add my craziness and my darkness and my all my themes to it. Otherwise, I can't, I don't know what my way in would be, you know, so yeah. that's I then started to explore with Sarah Delap, who's a theater writer, and we right. got together. Yeah. So basically, is it fair to say that there was a lot of changes made to the initial screenplay when you started shooting, working with the actors and such? Yes, definitely. I think um, also uh, I, from, for me and Sarah, it was really important that this film is also a comment on the time that we live in, even though it's fun and entertaining. That That is the first goal. Like We just want to entertain the audience. But then underneath all of that, we wanted to really say something uh, about, you know, our own addiction to our phones and and group behavior and what happens under pressure and what happens to people when Wi-Fi is cut off, you know, like only that, like oxygen is cut off, like that's so that was really important. And then I think um, I, I don't I don't want to spoil too much, but you know, the whole idea that the killer lives inside of you, maybe and maybe not outside of you. I feel that was also something that I'm very intrigued by. Um, and so we started to work with those themes. And to me, humor, dark humor is such a great key to, if you want to reflect uh, uh, contemporary times, humor is just the greatest tool, is in my opinion. I think so too, in a lot of ways. And humor being a an aspect of the comedy genre, this is a very dark comedy. Uh, it also yes. has aspects of murder. So there's a bit of like some thriller elements. There's a mystery element to it. There's a lot going on here, especially when you also factor in all of these different friendship dynamics in the movie too. So 
just in terms of establishing a, a consistent tone and juggling all these different genres, like how many times did you find yourself tinkering with this in the editing process to just find the right balance between all of these genres? I think your question is so right on because of course, finding the right tone was the biggest challenge. And we knew we were taking a risk by sort of creating our own genre, you know, because, you know, it's not a true horror. It's not a true murder mystery. It's not only this, it's not only that. It's, so we just wanted to make something really fresh and also just something, we wanted to liberate ourselves from all these ideas, you know, and old ideas. And um, so, so yeah, I think we were very aware before we had the first reading, like, is this going to work, this tone? And I did read, I even, I hired actors before I cast to do readings. Like I really went out of my way to get like, is it, is it getting there? Is it getting there? You know? And then we had the first reading with the full cast as, as you guys have seen it on screen. And then I knew I was on, then I knew, I knew, I just knew this is going to be really really special like i i because i immediately felt they got it and then i i'm 46 so i i was very aware of my age and needing them like you know to to make this film uh genuine and and authentic about gen z so i just asked for their input i was always taking notes whenever they were speaking like mm -hmm. when we go to dinner <laughs> always taking notes and always asking them like is it okay you said you just said this is this oh, can we use it in a film you know mm -hmm. um i also think that's why it feels uh, so um real even though absurd things happen in the film it's still for to me it's also hyper realistic i'm very interested in honesty and i feel you can create absurd circumstances but you need to be very honest within those and that will make it interesting and fun and dangerous yeah. at the same time i feel that totally uh now in terms of exploring gen z I'm curious to know, because this movie definitely tears down uh, current Gen Z in a way that I found to be funny, intriguing, smart. But in exploring all of these problems, if you will, with Gen Z, I'm curious to know, were you and Sarah ever able to pinpoint uh, a positive about Gen Z? Yeah, I think we did. Because, again, I mean, of course, this is about the, uh, Gen Z and, and I, I really uh, understand that I'm old. But I do, I do feel that it's also about us because I do feel we're all living right now and we're mm. all fucking glued to this machine. Sure. Like we're literally staring at each other now through a screen. You know, there's like, you cannot even avoid it anymore. So I don't feel that I'm commenting on them. I feel that I'm totally self-deprecating. Self -deprecate, self I can't, sorry, I'm done. <laughs> uh, you understand what I'm saying. I do, yeah. Um, and what I do find very positive about Gen Z mm -hmm. is that they like... Of course, we make fun of it a little bit with the triggering and the anxiety and the, you know, and all their like and the mental illness and being woke and da, da, da. But there's also something beautiful in that to me. Like when I was young, when I I used to have huge panic attacks before I go on stage. Huge. I would never dare to speak of that. That would be like weakness. Like I would never share that. Yeah. Like if I would have shared shared that, I would have been afraid to honestly to be fired. Like. You know what I mean? And now I feel it's wonderful that they talk about that, that they communicate, that they have words for that even. They have the mm -hmm. whole vocabulary. They can. It's also because they can access all this information online. And they. so I feel there's also beauty in that. If, if I hear my actors speak about the film, I'm like, you know, they have they are so <laughs> smart. They are so fast. But, but of course, there's also a downside to it. And that is that they, they haven't really lived what they're talking mm -hmm. about. You know what I mean? And that sure. is what these characters uh, what, what we try to say with these characters, you know, that they have all the words, but what are they really saying? It's almost like 
I don't want to reveal too, too much, but it, it, it is kind of funny to me how so much of this movie takes place inside. And in the third act of this film, it takes place outside. Though as if it's implying you need to get out more. You need to get away from all the things that are keeping you locked up, essentially, uh, like you said, glued to your device. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of commentary there, but I, I want to talk about this cast uh, because I love that there are so many up and coming actors in this. Uh, but I actually want to first start off asking about uh, the one character who's different and outside of the friend, uh, the friend group, and that's Lee Pace's character. <laughs> How many uh, actors came in and read for that role and what made him the right choice? Oh, we knew we knew we wanted him because he <laughs> he is um, also I thought it would be really um, interesting to have a group uh, with like theater actors, but also film actors and then more c- c- comedians. And, and like a, I wanted to have a very diverse group. And so he is, of course, a very respected actor, you know, like he does Angels in America on stage like and then he does these huge films. And and so we thought it would be great to have him. Um and so it was like one conversation and he he loved the script and he loved the character. So great. And I was just like a fan, you know, like really admiring him. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, that character is also about myself because I mean, again, I, I am older too. So I thought it would be su- super funny that there would be one character is like, how do you play? Like, you know, really genuinely wanting to connect to them and, and really want to connect to these and want to be part of the TikTok dance, but had no idea what the TikTok dance even like is, you know? Yeah. And that's how I felt myself, of course, continuously in this process. Like I literally downloaded the app of TikTok. And I think a lot of people who go see the movie will see it through him, you know, because it's funny if you're a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just an excellent actor. And it was also really good for all of us to have him because he's so experienced and he was calm, you know? And of course you have this young group of hungry young animals that all want like oh and then you have him <laughs> like the calm and the teacher and the what and the dad and it was absolutely beautiful to have him there was there ever a day on set where pete davidson did not have you rolling on the floor laughing hysterically <laughs> no they, they filmed me while i was rolling on the floor laughing hysterically <laughs> I, i'm a I'm a total, I'm such a, I, I also with him, I knew um, immediately that I wanted him and for this role. I also, because I found he is very talented as a, as a, as a serious actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, since he is a comedian, you can see in a lot of his film work, which is great, but he's used as this goofy energy, you know, uh, stoner and goofy, sweet, funny. And I thought, no, I want to use him uh, in a different way, more yeah. as a toxic, masculine, energy, sexy weird, dark, fucked up narcissist. Um, and and I love that he was so open to that and really wanted to go there. But of course, I wanted to also use his insane talent for improv, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I would give him very uh, specific spaces where he could do that and he would be insanely good at it. But he also like, you saw those huge group scenes, right? And we do long takes, you need to learn every word, you need to learn every second of everybody's text because six people are gonna speak. And it looks so effortless and easy. It's the hardest thing to pull off. And yeah. he was so serious. And they were, we were all in a hotel together. And they were like, I would walk in the hall and I would hear them rehearse with all of. They were so disciplined, and so he was amazing in that too. That's great. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies, big and small. On conflicted we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. 
We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Curious to know, too, being a foreigner yourself, how much do you see of yourself in uh, Maria Bakalova's character uh, B in this movie? Well, I, I feel that all those characters are sort of like parts of my personality as of everybody's personality. Sure. I, I do totally, of course, very much relate to the character of B and also to Maria herself. I feel to me it was super important that she has this Borat, you know, crazy comedy side, but she also has a theater background is 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 classically trained and all of that we have we are having common um and then her being from europe yes and and the language not it, you know if you want to be creative it's hard to do it in not your primal language because creativity mm-hmm. has so much to do with language and like your brain and your heart like you know having to communicate uh, so it was wonderful to share to share that handicap together and <laughs> and i'm just a big fan of hers i think uh, as i love a primal animalistic quality in an actor and she has that you know she's beautiful of course and you know like a beautiful girl but at the same time she's super raw and real and beast-like and and that's what i love in actors and no vanity and no ego in acting you know i think that's like one of my favorite things about this cast in general is that i've seen them in very very few roles uh, in a lot of instances but this movie is bringing out, I feel like, a new side for all of them and showing us stuff that we haven't seen from them previously before. So I find that to be very exciting for all of them. But I do want to uh, talk about also, too, uh, your work with Jasper Wolf, your DP on this film, because so much of this, as I said before, takes place inside and the lights are out. So you have these sources of light coming from phones and other sources that obviously we, the audience, sometimes can't see, but you need in order to not have it be pitch blackness on camera. So can you just talk about what it was like just lighting those interiors and trying to make sense of pure darkness? Yeah, to- yeah, that was that was one of the biggest challenges. And of course, he's a genius. I mean, he did a film called Monos where he like literally jumps into a waterfall with six actors. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's his style, you know? And um, we, we we prepared really, really, really thoroughly for this film because, of course, we knew we we're going to have only a very limited amount of shooting days. You know, we're going to be overwhelmed by the American set with all the big crews and in the unions and all the rules that we, we you know, we don't know. And so the darkness was this, this big thing. And I think what really solved it to me was when I decided that it would be a hurricane party, you know, way back when we we're still def- because he was there from the start, like you know, also on script, he, that's how I work with him, also on instinct. And then I was like, if it's a hurricane and they consciously hide because they are like, okay, we're going to have a hurricane party. They know that that's coming. So they will have all the emergency lights. They will have the fun, 
you know, neon necklaces. They will have all of that at hand. So we ha- we we wouldn't limit ourselves totally to the iPhone lights. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a it, you know the limitation of the darkness made us develop this style where the actors would light each other with their iPhones, which creates then even a more social code between them. They have to be you know open to each other and and take care of each other, which is also for me all about acting. You know, so I love that, and they were so good at it too. And then the decision to make Rachel Sennett, who plays Alice, into a lighthouse, like with her necklaces, like that mm-hmm. she, she'd be able to light other people. And, you know, those necklaces stay on her the whole film, which is kind of funny to me, too, because, you know, people are dying and she's still glowing with these neon lights. <laughs> so and that's absolutely crazy. So, yes, it was a challenge, but I think in the end it created a very specific style that I really yeah I really love now but of course beforehand I was like how are we ever gonna do this <laughs> and and this being your uh first English uh language feature directorial effort here I, I I gotta say like I'm really really impressed so far with just the response it has received and it was a fun time for me as well just watching it I had a blast watching this I enjoyed the humor uh the uh I'll say the murders, uh, but I also want to just like congratulate you and ask you before we go here, what do you have coming up next? Because I think after this, people are going to be really, really excited to know what you got going on in your life. Thank you. You're so sweet. (laughs) I'm excited to know what I'm going on in my life. Uh, I I think, listen, it is Look, I, I, I'm so happy that I'm in America. I really am. Uh, uh, and I, I, it is for me a little bit the American dream, although I understand that's an illusion too. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, especially as a female director right now, which is great. But uh, for me, I want to continue to also do my own work and go back to the erotic thriller space. Uh, and, uh, you know, Paul Verhoeven is a director I work with and I would love to, uh, you know, be the female Paul Verhoeven one day. Nice. And that's, that's my dream. And uh, yeah, I'm going to continue on that path right now and, you know, write, write myself um, and, and continue to work with hopefully, uh, you know, with my house, A24. So that's how amazing. Love yeah. it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Lovely interview. Thank you so much. It was really, really nice. Thank you. Awesome. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Our friend is dead. So if you could just like not escalate the situation. That- I'm not escalating. You're holding a knife and you're moving your hands while you talk. That would be so fucking obvious if I were the killer. David. More. You're always gaslighting me. You fucking trigger me. You are so toxic. Relax, relax. You're silencing me. That all you got, motherfucker! Did you just fucking shoot me? I can't believe you're making this about you. What are the features that you're bringing? Well, I just look like I fuck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I look like I I fuck. And that's the vibe I like to put out there. Yeah. All right, Chase, thank you so much for joining me today uh, to talk about your new film, Bodies, 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 where you're playing Emma in this movie. How are you doing today? Doing great, Matt. Doing great. Very excited for the world to see in this this, this little film, chaotic film. This I was going to say, chaotic <laughs> is definitely one word used to describe it for sure. It's already gotten a couple of people who have seen it at South by Southwest, where it got a tremendous reaction from everybody there. Uh, so I, too, am very excited to see how people take to the comedy, to the murder, and also to the characters in this, too. So can you first start off tell, telling us a little bit about you, your character specifically, who you play in this film? 
Yeah. So I play Emma um, and Emma is a, uh, I call her a very repressed individual. I think she holds a lot in. I think she conceals a lot behind this like kind of carapace of, of like steel that she presents as like this very put together um, girl's girl who, you know, has the perfect life and the perfect boyfriend and um, is always just kind of like not every T is crossed. Um, mm -hmm. But I think within she's concealing a, a storm of insecurity and um, just like a lot of self-worth issues. <laughs> she's in a very toxic relationship. Um, but I think I have a lot of empathy for her in the way she kind of is like very resilient and strong despite despite you know the way she is treated and and you know, yeah what she what she uh what standards she holds for herself yeah no totally and also too she's uh aspiring to be an actress herself uh and i'm curious to know if there was anything that you like tapped into maybe going back into like your early years of breaking into the industry of like that mindset of wanting to you know be somebody within this industry Totally. I mean, the way I saw Emma was like, she's one, she's, she's the type of person who, you know, tells herself she wants to be an actress, but really at the core, what the desire is, is just a desire to be seen and mm. a desire to get a certain kind of attention. So I would say like, if I had to characterize it, like Emma is, is in the acting game for the absolute wrong reasons. Sure. Um, and yeah, I think it's just, uh, that the, the sort of just, yeah, like self-worth question of like, you know, wanting to be seen because in her real life, Emma, like is constantly hiding. So when you're reading the screenplay, you're reading it for the first time, going through the characters, do you know already who, uh, Helena wants you to play or are you looking at all of these different, uh, female characters and thinking I could play any one of them? There were t I, I, I was kind of getting shuffled around between between Alice and Emma. Um, but I think that like in the end, uh, everyone is I mean, Rachel just takes that part to like an entirely new level. And I think he, the beauty about this film is like the way it's cast is so specific. And I think each each of these actors brings these characters to life in such a nuanced way that is like yeah such a specific such a specific flavor for each 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 character hey, hey there. there i'm hannah and i'm audrey we are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. I agree. Yeah. Each one had a very distinct personality. Uh, one that maybe I liked more than others. Some I was able to latch on to. Others I was like, if I ever meet this person in real life, God help me. Like it, it definitely oh has a wide cast of characters here that I really appreciated. So 
obviously like as an actor you like you said you have a great deal of empathy for emma so you try to find aspects of her personality to latch on to that you can best understand outside of your character uh which character would you say you also found qualities that you identified with and uh can you like speak to just ultimately what this movie is trying to get at in terms of uh the gen z satire that it portrays i mean i think i think it does it does such a good job in that like there every character is like a contradiction like you know, like for Sophie, for example, like I, 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 I'm a very non-confrontational person. And I think like she, Sophie is someone who's like extricated herself from the group dynamics, but then like inevitably becomes like the instigator in the end. So I think like that part, I really, I, I can really relate to or like <laughs> the Maria's character, for example, I, I'm someone who like really sinks in, in girl dynamics, I think. Um, and, you know, especially ones that feel like, you know, this sort of high school, like, mentality, like, the, the way that this movie, you know, handles them, I think, like, yeah, an outsider, an outsider perspective that, like, Maria brings to it so beautifully is, like, something that I relate to for sure. Yeah, and so a lot of this movie was shot, obviously, in the interior of the house. I don't want to give anything away necessarily, but it's a lot of low-light settings, and so many of you are having to use your own cell phones to light some of these scenes can you talk a bit about the direction that you received uh from helena on where to point your phones and how you were also able to navigate through such dark spaces yeah that was awesome jasper wolf the dp is someone who is like is so brilliant in terms of like finding the shot and um i think part of his strategy is like we want to we we don't want any c stands in the way of this of this of this camera that's totally unchained and so it gave so much freedom like i i would i would I, it's a actor's paradise because you're able to go anywhere you want there's no blocking there's no there, i don't i never saw mark like on set <laughs> so literally I and mean, figuratively <laughs> literally and figuratively and uh so that part was beautiful that like I got my iPhone in my hand. I will suspend the disbelief and point it at my face in an effort to just like be totally free in terms of how you want to move throughout the space. Sure. Absolutely. Do you ever like grow up playing mafia or, you know, whatever in this movie it's called bodies, 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 or just any kind of like sort of rendition of this game? Yeah, I've played it. I, I'm a, I'm deeply, deeply competitive at, at games. It gets out and um, an internal rage that can be purged <laughs> for me and no else than like, you know, playing games with my friends or family. But yeah, we play every Christmas with my family and like people like drive home in a huff like on Christmas Eve. It's, it's not good. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> no. Hey, having that competitive edge, though, definitely, I think, creates for a fun social dynamic with friends, family. Uh, my family likes to get together and do games as well. So I, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I'm on your level with this. I get it. Um, totally. And also you can like vicariously like like fix, like get out your problems and get out your rage at, at your loved ones in a, a healthier way than maybe confronting real problems. Sure. I can I can totally relate to that, too. Uh, this, this being a movie that really centers around the dynamics of the friendships that are uh, contained within it. I'm also curious to know, do you have like a go to movie that you would watch with your group of friends? Something that you could put down uh, together as a group and just have a good time watching. Mm. See, I, I, I mean, if there's one movie I've watched in a group most, it's probably Magnolia. And that I just love 
I, I mean, you know, similar to this, you have this like cast of characters that you can latch on to. Have you seen mm. it? Oh, uh, yeah. So, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, it's my most, most watched movie. So I feel like that one's a really fun one to play, to, to watch in a group. I don't love watching movies that I love in a group because then I feel like I'm like, I get very tense if someone's, I don't feel like someone's dropped in, but that one's a fun one. I, I just watched that uh, two nights ago with a group of friends. Um, but yeah, it feels like very interactive and I can recite all of Tom Cruise's lines. So performance <laughs> <laughs> art. Uh, I'm slightly ashamed to say that I can as well. I'm but so happy <laughs> it's a great film. It's really great. Uh, did you and the rest of the members of the cast, like during in between takes or anything like that, did you ever play Bodies, Bodies, Bodies for real? We did. We played, we played a couple times. We played like right before as like an icebreaker, which is an amazing way to get people's true colors out early on, mm. especially actors who are very good at masking and very good at lying or not so good at lying. Um, but yeah, that was a very fun way for people to, um, to just like let your guard down and yeah. Who was the best at it? Marie was very good at it. Marie was very good at it. I think like, I think, yeah, she has this ability to, um, she has like a very good poker face because she, she seems like very innocent, but I, it's, 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 it's very uh, convincing in the way that she, that she speaks her truth, which sure. goes to show you why she's such a good actress. Now this type of film borrows so many different uh, elements from all types of genres. There's the whodunit, there's the slasher film, obviously, as I mentioned before, it's a dark satire in a lot of ways. But focusing especially like on things like slasher films and whodunits where you have like some sort of grand reveal at the end as to who the killer is and things of that nature. I don't want to get into spoiler territory, so I'm not going to ask for your comments about the ending to this particular film. But are there other films uh, that deal in that type of reveal at the end that really uh, stand out to you? I mean, I feel like I feel like this one does it so brilliantly in such an mm -hmm. un unexpected way where it, like it truly catches you off guard and you're guessing the entire time but i feel it kind of like i didn't see it coming i i like the ending to this not? movie oh no I, and i went through it was a possibility in my head at one point but i had kind of settled in on something else that when yeah. it did come around i was like okay all right makes sense thematically yeah. i was like i see where we're going with this <laughs> It has like a kind of there's like something like like noir about like like at, in the final sequence of the movie like someone like tips their cap and like have you ever seen Detour? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that and like just something so surprising about that ending that leaves you like so satisfied. It, it's like it's the perfect recipe for for a movie. Just like something that comes like out out of absolutely nowhere. We had. Um, Helena talks a lot about this movie, um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, that is like so talky in this way. And I think you're so distracted by the talkiness and the pace of it that you don't, it's like, you're not, you're not even thinking that far ahead because what's happening in front of you is seems so prescient and so important that you're, you can't even project that far ahead. So the, I love how the movie's like two steps ahead, like the, the entire way. And you feel like you're like keeping up with, with you know the clippiness of it so yeah it's genius yeah uh what was the most fun day on set for you the most fun day on set i think between the two scenes i mean it's always the most fun when everyone's working because there's just something about the clash and of all the personalities that 
just creates like beautiful music. I think the the party scene where you see we're all kind of like raging and jumping around and everyone's going wild. I mean, that was like virtually unscripted and we were just let loose like rabid animals for like for a nine minute take where it's just the camera can go anywhere. And that was not rehearsed at all. And Helena would just be like, I can't wait for our party on Friday. And then we would just <laughs> we really like have this overnight. I was just like a rager. And there's something about the mentality of like, it's a, a virtually unscripted like party sequence where it's like, yeah, this feels like an actual party. And then that scene where we're playing it and Pete is Pete and I are in that yelling match that is very one-sided. That was really special and fun and felt like very intense and and really rewarding on set. I did like the chemistry that the two of you had specifically in that scene. So I'm glad that you uh, mentioned it here because I, wa- I was going to bring it up. Uh, is Pete as funny in real life as he is said to be? He is very funny. He's maybe funnier. He's a very funny guy. <laughs> um, yeah, he's hilarious. I think it's cool in this movie that he's able to show his dramatic side too. Mm-hmm. I think that's been like a real eye opener for a lot of people with this King of Staten Island. And uh, I think he's going to continue to keep showing that, uh, you know, as the years go on, because everyone I think knows that he could be funny. But this is like a great showcase for that. And and for you as well and the rest of the cast. I was telling Helena earlier that everybody is, I think, at a stage in their careers where this movie is bringing out new sides to everyone that we haven't seen before. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it felt it felt like that. I, I just it feels really different than any of the characters or or yeah, um, that I've gone out for and definitely more more of a. Um, girly girl than like other other characters that I've played in the past so it felt really it didn't feel transformative like in the moment but looking back at the film I'm like yeah that's 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 definitely not me (laughs) (laughs) and what do you have coming up uh next you know is there a television project or a film project anything that we can look forward to in your future because I think uh for everybody in this cast maybe with the exception of Lee Pace he's pretty well established I think at this point but uh, no for everybody uh we're all looking forward I think to seeing where all your careers go Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in this Apple TV show, this new Apple TV show, City on Fire with Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, who are titans of TV. Um, they, yeah, they're incredible. And uh, Jesse Peretz, who's one of my favorite directors, is uh, the one of the producers as well. And then I've got a couple couple movie projects in the works too um, that are coming up that I can say nothing about at this point. <laughs> I'm, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to, for where everyone's careers are going, are going. And this was such a cool bubble. I feel like it's sort of like calm before the storm in this like pocket, this like spooky pocket of upstate New York, where we all got to come together before everyone kind of like pops off, which is really special. I agree. It's outrageous. It's sadistic. It's funny. Uh, I I had a blast watching this movie, and most of that is due to the commitment that all of you brought to your characters and how lively the performances were. It was it was a lot of fun. So I agree. I'm very much looking forward to everything that you have coming up. And I, I thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. That was awesome. So smart. I loved all, <laughs> all right. You have a good rest of your day. 
You too. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interviews with the director for Bodies, 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 Helena Rain, and one of the stars from the film, Chase Sui Wonders, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies will be released in theaters on August 5th from A24. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.